Today's yeah. guest is Joy Mitchell. She had two very intense near-death experiences, and we have her day to share those with us. Joy, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate you being here, and welcome. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Um, this is an honor to be able to talk to you. Oh, well, thank you. All right, so let's start at the beginning. What happened with your first NDE? Okay, so I was in a situation. Um, I was uh, my my mom did a lot of drugs, and uh, I ended up being in a place where and. For the audience, I don't know if anyone's read the book, A Child Called It, uh, but that was pretty much my life, but a little bit worse because my mom needed money for drugs and I was a cute little girl. And so you can kind of, anyway, there was this man and we were homeless and we moved in with him. Well, actually I, my mom's like, here, you're going to move in with this guy. He's like you're going to be your dad and you're going to go to school. Cause I wasn't going to school and I was uh, 11, 11, 12, I think. And you're going to go to school and he has a, da- a daughter and you're going to share a room with her. And um, weird stuff was happening. Like uh, him being in bed with his daughter. And I, I don't want to go and see it. it, it it's <clears throat> his daughter was six and he was doing stuff to her and, Anybody that had possession of a child, let's say a nanny, babysitter, grandparents, uh, anybody that had a kid and they needed money could take their kids to this man. And he had a whole basement set up and he did things, horrible, horrible, horrible things to children on camera and then would sell the videos online. So he was doing that to me. And I don't know if my mom ever got money or not, but I know she moved me in with him and he started doing things to me. Uh, He kidnapped me. Uh, He took me to Mexico and he didn't realize that my family is from Mexico. I know I look white, but my grandmother is from uh, Mexico City and my grandfather is from Guadalajara. So, like, I speak Spanish pretty good. I spent a lot of time with my grandma. And um, we got to Mexico and he was trying to get us out of the hotel room. I don't know why he took me there. Uh, I, looking back on it, maybe it was like he was going to sell me or get rid of me or I don't know. But I thought I was being kind and I started translating in Spanish for the guy that was trying to give us the room to stay in. And the, the man who had took me there freaked out. He lost it like that. I could speak Spanish as good as I, as I did. And so he took me back across the border and took me back to his house. And he was like flipping out. He had me in a chair and he had a gun to my head. And then he shot himself in front of me. Uh, I ended up in a catatonic state and I ended up in a mental institution for about a year uh, in a catatonic state after he did that. Um, my mom was under investigation and so there was a, uh, protection order against her. She was not allowed to have contact with me. And when I was finally able to be released, they gave me to my grandmother and my grandmother has always been an enabler of my mom. She like my mom wrecks a car because she's completely, you know, out of it. Cause she's been on a binge for three days and, uh, she wrecks her car. My grandma buys her a new car. Um, my mom's homeless. My grandma buys her a trailer. Uh, you name it. My grandma does it. You know, it it was, it's bad. Um, so my, they give me to my grandma. My mom starts calling my grandma's house and saying, give me back my daughter. Give me joy. I need her back. Uh, I need, uh, I need joy back. I'm going to lose my food stamps. I'm going to lose my welfare. I'm going to lose my social security money. So my grandma actually gave me back. And I found out later by looking through records that uh, my mom was under investigation and they had confiscated this man, like all the computers and everything. And um, my mom took me to her therapist. And I guess the therapist wrote out a letter to the police department saying that I told him that none of that ever happened. 
My mom never did anything. The guy never did anything. Nothing happened. I, I found all this out by going back to the records and, and, and calling the police department and giving them the date and everything. Anyway, so I was back with my mom and the abuse continued. Um, the neglect continued. I had lice for like four years straight. Um, I had pinworms. Like I never ate. Uh, I had to steal food from grocery stores. Like it was severe. It was really intense and severe. Um, and it's not just that, it's that her, her mental disorder was so intense and being a little kid and having to deal with that was really, really, really bad. So I remember, uh, the way it started was that I was in a doctor's office and my mom was getting medications, um, because she had just got me back and I was on a lot of medications and she wasn't giving me my medications. She was selling my medications and she went to the bathroom and in this doctor's office, they had their own pharmacy. And so they called my mom's name for my medications. And I went up and I picked up the bag. And I remember sitting back down and opening the bag and looking at it and seeing all these pill bottles, tons of pill bottles. And I was like looking in this bag. And I don't even remember thinking like I, I'm going to do something bad to myself. I don't remember thinking that. I just went into the men's bathroom and I locked the door. And I started just opening the bottles and pouring them in my hand, all the bottles and putting them in my mouth and drinking water out of the bathroom sink in the men's bathroom. And then as soon as I was done taking everything, literally every pill that they gave us, I took every last one. I just sat down underneath the sink and I just sat there. And I don't know how I got to the hospital, but what I remember is that I like I sat up so so it goes black for a while and I sit up on the bed and I'm looking around there's all these people just like going crazy and they have these hoses and this black stuff and these monitors and everything's beeping and I'm like why is everyone so upset what's going on like I felt so peaceful I felt so calm I was like, why is everyone so freaking out? And I just like, I stand up and I look behind me and then there's this person on this bed. I was like, oh, that person. Oh, there must be sick or something. Like, I didn't, I didn't understand. And they were like shoving a hose down this person's nose and like, like pumping like black stuff. And like, it was so weird. It was so weird. And I was just watching this and I remember just seeing that person and having no connection like no, no reference, no nothing, just a home, absolute, just, and I had no reference of my life either. Like I, I, I had consciousness, but no like real thought about like, oh, this happened to me and I'm this person and this is my life and none of that. Like I had no memories of anything. And then it kind of goes black for a little bit again. And then I wake up in, like, I guess it's a recovery room. And there's all these black masses. You could tell they're people. And, and there's all these people sitting around my bed. And they're all holding hands. And they're praying for me. And this woman walks up and she touches my face. And she says, you have to stay here. This is where you need to be. You're not done yet. I was like, uh, okay. I remember also seeing a vase of flowers in the room. And I, I don't know why that was like so, uh, I was so fast, fascinated by that vase of flowers. But I saw a vase of flowers in the room. And I woke up a couple of days later. And the nurse comes in to check on me. And um I describe it. This is so weird. So I could, I could feel her. It's not the right word. I could mm, uh, kind of find words, but it doesn't. Words don't do it justice. Like I could, I could, uh, I could understand her in a way without her having to say anything or do anything. And she had this weird thing of like. She had this feeling of like pity, but it was also mixed with a lot of anger 
towards me. I could I could feel it. Like she was really angry at me. And I remember asking her, like, where did all the people go? Like, like there was people in my room. Where did they go? And she was like, well, there's only been the two nurses, me and another lady. Uh, no one else has come to see you. And I said, no, there was a bunch of people. Like, a bunch of people came into my room. I saw them. Um, and she was like, nobody's come to see you. Like, nobody would want to come to see you, is what she told me. And I... I've been treated like crap my whole life. It's okay. <laughs> I'm like, whatever. Um, and then I asked her about the vase, the vase of flowers, because I remembered the flowers. And I was like, well, what happened to my flowers uh, that were left in my room? And she goes, what flowers are you talking about? I was like, there was flowers in my room. I saw a vase of flowers. And she's like, why would somebody bring you flowers after what you did? Like, if my kid did that, I would kick their bleep. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, so she had like, yeah, she had like a weird pity, but anger thing towards me. And so that happened and I went back to my mom and I should also add that after this happened, I never felt alone again. Like, uh, there's always something with me. Is that the best way to put it? I can feel, um, I can feel stuff around me. I always felt alone when I was younger. I always felt alone because there was a lot of shit happening. Crap, sorry. There was a lot of crap happening. <laughs> and so I always felt alone. And then after this happened, I never felt alone again. Um, it didn't cure me, uh, but I never tried to take my life again because I, 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 I just felt like, I don't know. Um, I, I, I started cutting myself though in, in efforts to try and help cure the pain. Um, it wasn't until I left my mom when I was like 17 that, you know, it really, really, really stopped. But then I met my ex-boyfriend and my ex-boyfriend is an exact copy of my mom. Mm-hmm. Before which, we get into, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but before we sorry, get into go your- for it. Before we get into your ex-boyfriend and your next NDE, let me stop and ask you a few things and talk about a few things. One thing I think is interesting is you keep mentioning they pouring black stuff down you. Yeah, they did. And I don't work in an ER. I don't know exactly what they're doing. But in my opinion of what they're doing is they use this stuff called activated charcoal. And that whenever Um, someone's poisoned or something, they put charcoal in them and that absorbs all the poison. So it sounds like something that you saw was really accurate what's going on is they were using maybe charcoal to pull all the, pull all the, to bind all the pills so you wouldn't be poisoned, you know? I guess. I I don't, I don't. They don't know anything about it. Maybe. Maybe, yeah. I just remember seeing that body and Mm -hmm. looking back, I know it was my body Mm -hmm. looking back on it. But at the time, at this time I had no, no connection to that body. Right. And it sounds like you didn't even really remember your life at that point either. Or like, no, I didn't have any memories of anything, but I, I, I knew I was like, it's like having amnesia, Mm -hmm. but you don't have amnesia. Does yeah. that make any sense? Like, I know I'm me, but me isn't that. Right. Um, so do you think... I'm that- sorry. It's, the, the, it's so hard to describe. Oh, it's wow. really... Re- words just... Uh, words don't do it justice. I think that's true for everybody who has an experience like yours. So that's okay. Um, do you think that those beings were possibly angels or praying for you or you just kind of have no idea? Uh, Honestly, um, I think that there's no sound. I've heard other NDEs and, um, to me, now that I've like researched it and listened to some NDEs and, I'm part of an NDE group on Facebook. Um, I think they might have been like my soul group, like mm. my my not Earth family. If that makes any sense, right? Yeah, it makes people a lot that of have sense. N- have had people that have NDEs. Uh, they'll understand. Like uh, you have a connection to other th- beings 
that aren't on earth like you you haven't met them on earth but they're like your your um your family like your your group mm-hmm. uh i think they were part of my group mm-hmm. um that's the way it felt like looking back on it like they're part of mm, sorry no i think you're, uh, uh, I think you're right, and some people will even go as far as saying that their soul group, they kind of keep reincarnating together, like, okay, and this time yeah. I'm your sister, then, okay, now next time you're my mom, or whatever. Yeah, like, it, it was kind of, it kind of felt like that, like, they're part of, they're part of my group, yes, mm. definitely, um, and I still don't understand why the flowers were so important to me, what they were in the room, I remember seeing them very vividly, like, I couldn't see the beings, mm-hmm. They were all blobby and black, but I could tell they were holding hands. Mm-hmm. I could hear them praying like, mm-hmm. uh, dear heavenly father, please. Um, like, I don't remember. I'm just making this up. Cause I don't remember exactly what they said, but it sounded like this. It was like, dear heavenly father, please, uh, bless our friend or our family member or whatever they were calling me. Um, and, and I don't remember them calling me by my earth name. Mm-hmm. That's another weird aspect of it is mm. that like they were calling me something but i can't remember what it was mm. but they're calling me something and they're, and they're like in jesus's name amen and then they kept like pray like different prayers like different different things over and over dear heavenly father give her the strength to continue on on earth in jesus name amen like they kept doing that over and over again and they were all holding hands and they were all around my bed which also doesn't make sense because the head of the bed was right against the wall Mm -hmm. but i specifically remember very specifically remember like an entire circle Mm -hmm. like completely circled Mm -hmm. and that's interesting that they were doing a christian-based prayer yeah that was also pretty weird to me like I, I maybe I don't know because like growing up we, we my mom and I were a part of a lot of different churches like we first started as Seventh-day Adventists and my grandmother is Catholic uh, but we weren't like hardcore into Christianity my mom is very uh, more into like um, Wiccan she likes like uh, doing spells and stuff mm-hmm. that's like her thing so I don't understand why they were doing it that way. Um, but yeah, that they were praying to like Jesus and God and stuff. So maybe Jesus is my patron. I, I have no idea. Let me ask you this. When you saw those beings, were you outside of your body and you saw that your body too, like you saw them around mm-hmm. your bed and around your body and you were looking, did you realize that was your yes. body? Did you realize that was your body? No. Or did, you, did you just said, Hey, it looks like they're praying around some patient or something. Pretty much. Yeah. Hmm. That's what I thought is that these people just came in to take care of who, whoever this person was like, uh, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I did. I did see the body. Yes. But again, it's the type of thing where you don't have that connection and you don't have the memories of that thing. And I call it a thing. I call the body a thing because to me, it's just a vessel for us to continue to do our work, whatever we're here to learn. My um, initial thoughts were maybe the flowers were there and somebody stole them. Well, see, that's why I asked the nurse and she said, nobody's come to visit you and nobody's brought you flowers. And why would they after what you did? And there was only two nurses that I had for those couple of days. Right. And like both nurses said that there was no flowers. So I, I yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, who. maybe it was like spiritual flowers. It could be. It could have been. Maybe a, someone from the other side was like. Yeah, I mean, it could be. Yeah, some I don't know. Could have been a spiritual symbol. And did anybody personally know you were in there besides your mother and maybe your doctor? Uh, I don't know. My my big brother, what Noel Noel Natal, was staying with us uh, at the time when I did this. And um, I don't know if he knew that I was in there or not, because he had his own stuff he was dealing with. Uh, my mom knew. I think my mom knew, but she never came to visit me. As uh, That's what the nurses said anyway. 
Um, I don't know. I don't know if anybody knew that I was in there. Yeah, it's kind of like I just remember the nurses saying that no one ever came to see me. Yeah, well, she's she doesn't sound very nice, so you suspect for what she says. Mm. Well, after my end, after my first NDE, uh, my dreams became super, 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 super strong. And I started having this weird, uh, this weird thing where, like, I would have a dream, and then, like, you wake up and you go about your normal day, and you do, you kind of forget about the dream, and then the dream would come true. Uh, example: I was sitting on a bed and I was talking on, on the phone. And I don't remember who I was talking to. Uh, deja vu is you is what I'm like, but it was I had had dreams about it, uh, so I started keeping a dream journal. Um, because I would have all these dreams and then the dreams would happen. So I'm sitting on the bed, I'm on the phone and then I'm talking about something and all of a sudden the words that I'm saying and this being here and that shirt was exactly the same and this was here and that was there. Like it started, it started happening a lot, uh, where things were perfect. I'd have the dream. And then I'd kind of forget about it. And a couple of days later, that exact situation would happen. Mm. It was uncanny how often it would happen. Mm. Um, and one thing that happened was that my grandfather died. I was really close with him. My grandpa uh, died. He was my step-grandpa. So my biological grandpa died when I was like four, I think. I never met him. Um, but my step-grandpa died when I was 17, and I was actually in Mexico at the time when he died. My grandmother knew that he was going to pass because he had muscular dystrophy and his lungs had stopped working. And they, my mom and grandma sent me to Mexico because they knew how close I was to him. And after he died, I had this super intense dream. Like it was almost real. When I woke up, I couldn't tell reality from the dream. And I had this dream that I was in a church and mind you, uh, I had never been to a Mormon church or knew what a Mormon was, never heard of it before. But I was in a church. And now that I've been in a Mormon church before, I was in a Mormon church in the dream. And I look out and you can see past, so most Mormon churches are built the same. And I can look out the door and all the hills are on fire. Everything is on fire. And mind you, this is like late 90s. So before all the California fires were really bad and I was in California. So all the hills are on fire and my grandpa is holding up this like grate like in the floor and people are going down underneath the church like they're hiding and my grandpa turns to me and he goes, uh, and it was really scary. My grandpa's never been scary. And I think he sent me this message on purpose was that uh, be prepared. And he was telling me that there's going to be a war in America and it's, it's going to be a civil war and I had to be prepared for it, like food, water. Like that's what he was telling me. I think he was also telling me that I needed to join the Mormon church because I didn't know what it was until way later, many, many years later. And he came to me and told me. And I remember being in that church. Um, and so that was pretty powerful thing and pretty intense message. Mm -hmm. Then my dad, uh, he was technically my stepdad, but I didn't. I always called him dad. He was my little brother's dad. Uh, he OD'd when I was 18 and he also came to me in a dream. And if you look at the background right here, like you see those trees. Now my dad was in the trees and his mom was with him who had just passed. And my dad is like trying to grab my arm and he's trying to tell me, come with me, come with me. And I said to him, I can't go. I can't go with you. And he was like, please come with me. And I kept telling him I couldn't go with him. And he was trying to pull me into the trees. Um, and then after, like, he's, I told him I can't go with him. He's like, okay, well, if you're going to stay, you need to be prepared. And that's what he told me. So it's another, like, it was like a year later. I'm 18. He just passed. And he, he sends me another message. Um, 
then other weird things started happening to me. Like, uh, I was living with my boyfriend and I was 18 and he liked to go outrigger canoeing and I didn't like to go out. I like to sleep in. Um, and I told him to get me a coffee before, like before he come home so he can bring me a coffee when he got home. So I heard the door slam to the apartment and we had a loft bed. So I looked over and I see him down the hallway, like putting his stuff away into the closet. And I said to him, Hey, did you bring me my coffee? And he didn't say anything. And I was like, dude, did you bring me my coffee? And he still didn't say anything. And I was like, whatever. And so I laid back down and then I hear like running, like down the hallway. And my arm was like this. I laid back down on the loft bed and something grabbed my arm, a big black hand. I shot out of bed. I look around. There's nothing there. My boyfriend's not home. I was wide awake. It was so freaky. So stuff like that starts happening a lot too. Like I, I don't under like, I don't understand any of that stuff. That's just weird. Um now let me break you here for a second. Uh Carrie sure. Tolaro, maybe a friend of yours, says, Hey Joy, it's Carrie, you're doing great. Aw, uh, thank you. I don't know if you know Hefty Bison. He says great story. I don't know if he just some random person or a friend of yours but guys whoever you are thanks for watching yeah uh, i told all my friends and family one last thing about this nde before we move on to your next one yeah. is that you said that you always you don't feel alone anymore you always feel something with you do you think it's a being with you or do you just feel like the love of god's with you or something like that i feel more connected the other side. Um, I feel so hard to put it into words. I feel like, yes, the love of God is there always a hundred percent. Um, it's a weird, it's a weird, it's a weird peaceful feeling. It's a, it's a, it's a kind of calm that unless you experience it, you don't, you don't understand it. Hmm. Uh, it's definitely, but I think what is with me all the time, honestly, is that lady who touched my face. Mm -hmm. If that makes any sense. Uh, and I think some of the experiences that I have had include her. Um, like after my second NDE, I had just gotten married to my husband and we had only been married a couple of months and I was taking a nap in the middle of the day and this lady walks into my room with a child, a little girl. And she turns to the, the lady turns to the little girl and goes, this is gonna, like, she's looking down and she's at the side of my bed and she goes, this is going to be your mom. And she's pointing to me. And I wake up and I call my husband and I was like, Hey, I just had this weird dream. I'm not sure if it was a dream because I don't I wasn't asleep like I woke up like I like I sat up like I didn't wake up I just sat up and then we found out a week later that I was pregnant and then I had my daughter hmm. like nine months later so yeah. I had no idea I was pregnant wow maybe she's um, like a, maybe so, she's like a guardian angel or something I think so uh I don't want to put that guardian angel thing like that that label on it but kind of, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess. All right. So um, let's get into your second NDE. What happened? Okay. Uh, so I met this guy and he's an exact copy of my mom and my brother. And I have uh, talked about this before because my brother married an exact copy of my mom too. I just, mm. I happened to marry a male version because I like guys and he happened to marry a female version because he liked girls. So I met this person who's exactly like my mom in every way, narcissistic, self-centered, um, uh, gaslighting you all the time, like just really insane, 
that's the best word for it. Completely nuts. But I guess like what my brother said and my niece said, um, you go for what you know. Like you, you try to find find that the love of what you know. Like so, I only knew my mom. Like my mom was my my idea of I guess love. And so that's what I found. And he was doing a lot of drugs at the time. And I kind of just went along with it. And I stayed with him. And he got angry at me because I started taking classes from the missionaries. So the missionaries just happened to show up at our house. And they're like, hey, do you want to take some classes? And I'm like, okay, whatever. Sure. Sounds fun. So I started hanging out with the missionaries and started taking classes. And he got upset about that. And um, then he had a computer that was locked and he always locked it all the time. But one day he just happened to leave it open. And I went on his computer because I felt really curious. And I started seeing emails to other women saying that he made a mistake with being with me and he wished he could be with that girl. And what a piece of crap I was. And um, I confronted him and he got upset and a fight ensued. And I don't remember the entire thing, but I ended up in the hospital. And I remember being in the hospital and waking up and there's like, again, like there's all these doctors and people like nurses just running around. They're putting like stickers on my chest. The doctor walks up to my body and does this weird thing that I don't understand uh, still to this day, but he takes his hand like this and he like right here in the middle of my chest, like pushes as hard as he can. Like he's like rubbing it like really hard and I remember seeing his hand go through my chest and I didn't feel his hand. And I, I remember see, like thinking that he's pressing really, 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 really hard. Why, why is he like, why can't I feel it? And then I like, I sat up out of the bed and I stood up and I started walking away from the bed. I didn't turn around and look. I started walking away from the bed and there was this lady, the, the black blob. Also, I should add, it was the, the hospital was full. What I mean by that is that, like, there was beings. That, I, I couldn't see everybody. But besides the nurses and doctors, there was tons. I mean, millions of beings. Like, so many beings that the hospital felt cramped. Like the, the, the building felt cramped. It was so many. You could just feel it. It was so strong. Um, and so this lady reaches out her hand and I take her hand and we walk through the wall. And after we walk through the wall, oh, I'm trying to remember what happened. This is when I met my dad again. We walked through the wall and I was in this building that was com like filled with trash. And it was like a mansion, though. And, but it was like falling apart. And I'm looking around and there's a storm outside. There's like tons of like, like clouds and uh, lightning and, and, and um, like I'm looking around. And then the building starts filling with water. And I'm like trying to wade through this water and this trash. And I get to this door. I open the door. I, I go through the door and my dad is sitting, my stepdad, my brother's, my little brother's dad is sitting there and it's a train station. And so my dad is sitting there and my dad's dad is sitting there and they're both named Donald. My little brother's also Donald. <laughs> so my, 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 Little brother is Donald. My stepdad is Donald. And then my grandfather is Donald. So um, I walk up to my dad and I just, I kind of just look at him and he's just sitting there and he's very like, just waiting, he's waiting patiently. And there's lots of other people in this train station. And so I turn to my left and I can see a big giant door with like glass squares all over the door. And you can tell it's glass, but whatever's on the other side is completely pitch black. 
And so I'm looking at this door and it's pitch black on the other side. So I'm thinking maybe it's nighttime on the other side of the door. And I turned to my grandpa and I put my hand on his face and I said, uh, you were always my real grandpa. And I love you very, very much. Um, and then I started to feel this weird pulling sensation. Like, I don't know, just like, it, I don't know, just like I felt like I was being pulled. So I started walking towards the door. I open the door and I walk into the blackness. Now this is where, and this was really scary. Uh, these things, these hands were grabbing me. They were like, oh, 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 grabbing at me and like ripping at my arms. I could feel it. It was so real. You could feel the claws. You could feel them like around you. You could feel the, 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 the deep darkness. You could feel it. And I'm walking through all this and I'm scared out of my mind scared. And so I remember when I was little, cause my grandmother is Catholic. Uh, she taught me this prayer. Um, Our father who art in heaven, how be thy name, the kingdom come, they will be done. So I started saying that prayer and I'm walking through all these hands that are <clears throat> walking through all these hands that are uh, grabbing at me. I'm like just scared out of my mind. And I start saying the prayer and the things start mocking me. Whatever these things are, they're like, like that. They're saying stuff like that to me while I'm praying. But I do feel like me saying that prayer gave me strength to be in whatever situation I was in. Although they were mocking me and trying to grab at me, whatever I was saying or doing was protecting me from being pulled in by them. Um, and then I see a light and I'm like, okay, I gotta go for this light because it's so dark here. I cannot spend any more time here. And so I start running as fast as I can for this light. The only way uh, I get closer and closer to the light and it feels like I'm a big thing and I'm being pushed into a smaller thing. Like maybe like I'm a, a Maybe like I'm like a ball, like a giant fuzzy ball or something. And I'm being pushed into a bottle. Like I'm being like pushed in. And I felt tons of pain. So much physical pain. And I remember just like crying out. And I was like, no, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And Jesus came. And I know it was Jesus because I could feel it. I could hear it. I could maybe feel it. Um, and I felt it. And he says to me, you have to go back because there's stuff you need to do and you haven't finished what you need to do. And I was fighting it so hard. I was like, no, I don't want to do that. Stop. No, this is so terrible. I feel all this pain. Ugh, it's terrible. I don't want to be in this little shrunken thing. It's like I'm being stuck into this bottle. It's horrible. And finally, and it felt like a hundred years <laughs> of talking. Finally, I felt myself just like relax and give in. I was just like, fine. Okay, I get it. So I just Oh, and I felt myself like a like slime almost just sucked back into this place. And I woke up a couple of days later and there was a police officer by my hospital door. He was there to protect me. Um and I felt even more stronger, closer to that other side. Um, and I, even though it was a really strong experience, I still kind of considered it just like a dream or something. I, 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 it was really intense, but in my mind, I didn't know what a near-death experience was. I had never heard of it before. I only found out what a near-death experience was when I talked about 
what happened with my bishop. So I ended up joining the Mormon church because I had nowhere else to go. I went to a a woman's shelter because it was like protection, you know? Um, So I'm in the women's shelter and I joined the church and um, I'm talking to my bishop and I don't know how it came up where I told him what happened to me with my ex and everything else. But like, he, he, he goes, well, that sounds like a, that sounds like a near death experience. I was like, what are you, what, what is that? What are you talking about? Uh, I remember going home and being on my phone and I had a really old phone. Um, and I remember looking up near death experiences and reading some stuff on it. The first thing I read was about this guy who had left his body. Like he had a heart attack and he left his body and, uh, everything he went there. I was like, Whoa. That sounds so much like what I just went through. And then I remembered back about when I tried to take my life. I was like, oh, my goodness. That's what happened. That was the same lady, though. The one that took my hand and took me through the wall. That was the same one that touched my face and said, like, when they were praying for me, that was the same one. She touched my face and she was like, you have to stay here. I remember that. Like, it was the same lady. But I can't see her. I don't know why I can't see her. She's like, she's like a black silhouette. I've never seen her face. Hmm. Um, but since then I've had so many weird experiences, like about seeing spirits and being able to read people and things like that. Uh, I have it all the time. Um, seeing spirits and I don't tell people about my experiences or my ghost stories anymore. A couple of reasons why, like I'm sharing it with you and the audience because it's, it's so real. People need to understand there is other, another side. There is something else. A hundred percent. There's something else. And people, they, they, they think like, well, if I do this, I'm going to go to hell. Or if I do this, I'm going to go to heaven. It's not true at all. There's no, so in my opinion, from my experience, from what I've learned, there is no good and there is no bad. There just is. There's the experience. Like we don't get punished. People are going to probably hate me for this, but we, even Hitler, he's not going to get punished. Like, like what people think, like going to hell for what he's done. He's going to experience the lives of the people that he hurt and it's going to be tenfold but he's not going to get punished the way like people think that people get punished and that's the other thing is love like love is why we're here that's why we're so disconnected from each other we need to learn to love completely unconditionally no matter what the person does so after my nde i had so much love for people that I started to get into sticky situations where I would help anybody for any reason. And people started taking advantage of me and uh, taking advantage of my unconditional love. And I still have that problem where I will do anything for anybody at any time to my expense because I feel like everybody is part of everybody. We're all connected. We're all like the same thing. We're all like here together for the same reason. And when we die, we all go back together. Like we're like, we're the universe trying to learn itself. Mm. I don't know if that makes sense to people, but we're, we're the universe having experiences of itself. Mm. Um, and like when we die, we can, we can experience other people's lives and, and we, we, feel what we've done like like a wave we feel like what we've done to others whether it's good or bad you're gonna feel it and and so i try to reach out and always do good even if someone's gonna hurt me i don't care like that's on them if they're gonna hurt me so be it whatever that's on them that has nothing to do with me that's their lesson they need to learn from that um and i've also learned like that people put a lot of rules on each other and say things like, Oh, it's so horrible to be gay or transgender. No, that has nothing to do with anything at all whatsoever. Like there's not those kind of rules on the other side. Like God, honestly, like probably puts people here 
as gay or transgender so that way we can learn he can see how we love those people it's like okay this person did something really 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 bad like they're they're in jail how am i going to love them and show them love how am i going to forgive them um i was on facebook and uh there was this news story that popped up and it was about this man who had raped this little girl and the um father ended up killing the man and i posted on there that like i didn't believe that that was the right decision at all whatsoever and i for an eye leaves the world blind and i was attacked like none other everyone's like you're condoning his actions no i'm not condoning anybody's actions like you should not hurt anybody ever but do we know what happened in that man's life the man that that hurt that child we don't know we don't know what happened to him. Why did he do it? We have no idea. Maybe he was severely mentally ill. We don't know. So, in my opinion, the father made the wrong decision. He should have just allowed the system to take care of it. Now that little girl's going to suffer with the dad in jail and this other situation that happened to her. So, no matter what anybody does, we have to try to love them from God's point of view. How else? Always, you, how always el- love. How else have you changed from this experience? I would say my biggest change is, like I said, being able to forgive people, like my mom, uh, like that man that took me to Mexico. Um, I have an unbelievable amount of love, but I also have a need for truth. Truth is a really big thing. Um, so. When you go to the other side, you are open to everything. Like if you think something, it's open to everybody. Uh, if that makes any sense. Like your your intentions, your spirit, everything opens up to everyone else. Um, so you need to learn here how to have good intentions. Because if I'm going to go to heaven... And I have and I have bad intentions or I have things that I'm struggling with inside, like a lot of hate or anger or um, other things that I struggle with. Right. If I have things that I'm struggling with here, if I go to the other side, I'm going to be severely uncomfortable. That's going to feel like hell to me because I'm open now. Everyone feels it. Everyone sees it. So uh, we need to work on ourselves here to become as not pure, but words just don't explain it. You need to love. Mm -hmm. You need to have a sort of love for yourself and for others. You can't have like things inside of you and be able to go to the other side and be comfortable. Um, So I have, an, uh, like I said, I have an unconditional love for everybody now no matter what they do no matter who they are and i try to always show that Mm. always make sure and people know that i love them um but i also struggle with things myself you know like it's still hard Mm. it's still i'm i'm human i'm gonna have human emotions i'm gonna have human feelings about things um so like if I have an anger outburst for whatever reason, you know, I need to learn to stop for a second. Be like, okay, stop, stop. This is a human emotion. You need to overcome this. You need to get back to your spiritual part of you and get back to be calm. Um, oh, another thing that's changed is that like, I see a lot of spirits and I don't often tell people cause one thing that's, it's really annoying when people are like, Oh, tell me where my dead grandma hid the silverware. They're like, Oh my gosh, it doesn't work that way. It does not work that way. Sorry. Um, I was on a bus one time and I was just sitting on the bus and trying to get home and I kept hearing this voice in the back of my head. And it was so weird because the voice kept going, uh, go tell TT that uh, I love him and that I'm totally fine. And I was like, no, 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 no. Because there was a guy that was sitting way at the back of the bus and I could saw him. And I knew it was TT for whatever reason. And I kept hearing this, like, go tell TT. 
Cool show TC. I was like, what the heck? This is a random man. I am not going to walk up to this random guy and tell him that, you know, I hear this voice in my head. It's like, I'm crazy. And it kept going on and on and on. And so I was like, ah. So finally, I walked up to the person and I told him what I was hearing. And I got the weirdest reaction. Like, he looks at me for a second and he's like, what? And told him again, and he's like, how my wife just died. And that was her nickname for me, and no one else called me that. How did you? I was like, that's just what I heard. I don't know. <laughs> um, I like I had a I had a friend pass. Uh, and her name was Amber Green. And she died from cancer. Oh, she was a beautiful person. Beautiful soul. Uh, she actually came to me. So she was obsessed with Halloween. And she came to me in a dream. And it was like a town of Halloween. But it wasn't scary. It was scary, but it wasn't scary. It was very peaceful. And she explained to me how, like, it ultimately feels when you pass and how peaceful it is. That's what she was telling me. And I believed her. So like people can come to me, but like I can't I can't reach out. Like someone someone's like, hey, go talk to my person. I'll be like, uh, I can try, mm -hmm. but it's not gonna work that way. Sorry. Mm -hmm. uh, I had my grandmother in law come and visit me after she passed too. So I've had some people come to me and talk to me and give me messages. Um, that would be my my husband's grandmother. Uh, grandma kid she came and visited me um she gave me a message and it was it was really beautiful when she came to me like uh, it was so beautiful um so also i think i learned that most religions um are right and wrong if that makes any sense so like there's lots of religions because there's lots of different personalities and different people need different things. So like some people need Buddhism. Some people need uh, to be Muslim. Some people need to be Christian. And I think when you die that reflect what your beliefs are reflect what you're going to experience. Um, Cause it makes you, it makes you more comfortable with the other side. Um, but I do think that like, there's different patrons that makes sense for uh, different people. So like, I think my, my person, my, my patron is like Jesus. Um, also my, my joining of the Mormon church, when I had that interaction with my grandpa and he told me stuff, uh, it was a lot about like, being Mormon and being prepared. And that is something that the Mormons believe in is that someday there will be something and we have to like have food storage and we have to have like things prepared. And that's why I found it so fascinating that I had had that dream and I had had that message from my grandpa to be prepared. And then all of a sudden I'm joining this church and they're like, Oh, okay. So this is part of our, this is part of our doctrine is that we are always prepared or whatever is coming. Okay. Let me stop you no, there. Makes um, sense. I've heard, and I don't know if this is true or not. Maybe you can clear it up for me. Is it true that Mormons uh, like to keep two years worth of food stored? Yes, that is a thing. Yeah, uh, I actually probably have more than two years. Um, I I also have like uh, solar powered radios, hand cranked radios. I have. Uh, solar chargers for cell phones, even though <laughs> the cell phones might go down, uh, cell phone towers will probably go down. I still have like chargers that are that have USB ports that are cellular, like a uh, like solar powered. I have um, a, a, a USB powered heating blankets. I have uh, life straws for like you can drink water from anywhere. Um, I have a lot of stuff. For preparation for whatever's coming. It's interesting because you are my second guest that's kind of prophesized. Well, I don't know if you're saying it, but he's prophesied. Not me. War. Grandpa. Grandpa's saying it. Okay. Well, he did. Grandpa's he, saying it. 
another one of my guests, I think yeah. he saw it in his NDE or something that he saw a civil I, war. I also saw mine. I also saw it in mine. I saw the fires uh, in California and my I, I downloaded the knowledge that we are definitely 100% going to have a civil war. And this was back like uh, late 90s before a lot of stuff started happening like the uh, 9-11 stuff or COVID or any of that. Mm. Um, so I truly believe that something is coming. And and the prophets of the Mormon church have been saying for a long time too, mm. that we need to really be prepared. So I a hundred percent believe that. Um, I also believe in the prophets of the church, like completely. They, there's times that, I've listened to some of their videos or read some of the past prophets and things that they say. Like, I, I believe that people can talk to God. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like, they can have powers that nobody else can understand. I know this for a fact because I see people. I have <laughs> met things and had things happen that are completely unexplainable that if you told somebody else, they'd be like, oh, you're crazy. Shut up. Um, so that's a big part of me is being part of the church and, uh, following what is said Mm -hmm. in the church. And a lot of people like to put the church. That's another thing that makes me really sad is because people don't know Mormons. They don't, they don't hang out with us. Like if you hung out with me, you would actually learn who I am. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, I identify as Mormon, but I'm not going to be like the kind of person that hates you for whatever reason. Like people think like, ah, you hate the gay people or you, you this, or you that. No, gosh, no, not at all. Mm-hmm. Like I love everybody, dude. I love you, even though you're hating on me. <laughs> like, like, you know, like whenever there's conference, uh, the Mormon conferences, you have people that are out there like protesting. And I'm like, I still love you unconditionally, dude. Unconditionally. I freaking love you. Come give me a hug. Like you can still yell at me. It's cool. Just give me a hug. I, I, I want to love on you. <laughs> um, also, my mother-in-law and my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, sorry, mother-in-law and father-in-law are, are very like some of the most beautiful people I've met. Like I said, they're the epitome of being Mormon. They are just so freaking kind and loving to just everybody. Mm. Like I look up to them. I really, really do. So when you had your experience and you were in the dark and beings were grabbing at you and mocking you, some people Mm. who are watching this podcast Mm -hmm. may consider that to be hell. Would you consider that to be, even though you don't believe it, earlier you said that there was no hell. What, I don't believe in what, hell. Yeah, there is no hell. What would you classify that part of your experience as? What was going on there? It was a lesson for me. Hmm. A lesson to learn that I have the strength to overcome anything. Hmm. Even if it's scary, even if it's things grabbing at me, even if it's the most darkest, deepest uh scariest place in the whole entire of existence i can overcome it and i can get through it before we wrap it up here okay do you have one last message that you'd like to share with everybody yeah actually um always be you always be be the true you and don't let anyone not let you be the true you and make sure to always love everyone no matter what they've done. I'm, it's not like I'm going to take a murder into my house and allow them, you know, around me, but I will project love and forgiveness to that murder. So always love everybody, no matter what they've done always, you know, and prayer does work. I've seen it work many, 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 many times. I think the beings on the other side can feel us can, can, can when you really concentrate they can feel us and hear us. So prayer definitely works. So take your time and, and try to pray and, and focus on the other side. Like try to feel that peace, that, that love that comes from there. You can. if you've Even if you haven't had a near-death experience, if you really focus, like you sit down, you meditate, you pray in a quiet space, you will start to feel it. It is this warmth. It's just 
amazing feeling that just washes over you. And don't ever think that there's not another side. There so is. They're really, really, it's really there. It is a hundred percent there. So don't be afraid of death. There's no reason to. And uh, I, I also don't think death hurts. I never felt pain until I was coming back into my body. Mm-hmm. Like leaving, I never felt pain. Before. Like I never felt the, the pain of like them putting tubes or the, the black stuff. I never felt it. Like when the, the, they were working on my chest, I never felt it. I only felt the pain when I came back. Mm. So like right before, I think right before your body goes, you go. I think that's the way it works. Mm. So I don't believe there's pain when you die mm. at all. Well, thank you for sharing that. Are you public on on Facebook? Like people may see this and want to reach out to you and chat with you. Are you public or are you a private person? Um, it depends on the person. Uh, usually I will talk to people. Um, if I feel goodness from them, uh, I will usually reach out and be like, hey, yeah, okay, hi. (laughs) Um, I want to try and stay private, uh, mostly for the peace of my, like, family. I don't go on – I don't actually go on social media very often. It's very, very, very rare. Uh, I remember reaching out to you. I hadn't been on uh, Facebook for, like, a year or more. I was like, yeah, you're like, hey, reach out to me on Facebook. I was like, oh, I've never been, I forgot my password. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I probably would say hi to people if they, if they're like, hey, I really want to talk to you. Yeah. Okay. Also, uh, I, I wanted to throw this out there. So you had asked me for like a small bio mm-hmm. uh, about stuff that had happened to me. And I stayed up till like four or five o'clock in the morning writing stuff because it just kept coming out, kept coming out. So I have started a book because of you. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, I end up with like 200 pages. Awesome. (laughs) So I'm currently still working on it. Um, It's going to be called My Mom Named Me Joy with Mm -hmm. a question mark. Mm. Oh, wow. Um, Because of all the junk I went through. So, uh, yeah, I'm working on that, and I'm hoping that it'll be done in the next year or two. Um, and well, that's about I mean, it. I think you'll finish it faster than that. And, you know, in the beginning of my podcast, before I really got into near-death experiences and paranormal stuff, I was just had all kinds yes. of different people. And one of my guests was an author that had written like 22, 25 books, maybe even more. And he told me, if you just sit down and write for 15 minutes every day, just that 15 minutes, you'll write 500 words. And like in a month, you'll have a book. I've been doing that. I'm not a great writer, though. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. I didn't finish. I didn't finish school. I didn't go to school very much because we were homeless. Mm -hmm. And it's easier for them not to track you Mm -hmm. when you're not in school. So my Mm -hmm. mom was like, you're home studied, but Mm -hmm. I never did any work. So I kind of only had like a third or fourth grade education. Mm -hmm. So trying to get the, the words onto paper and the right pronunciation and all this other stuff is really hard. Well, that's what editors are for. And maybe so. you can hire an editor inexpensive. But you don't, you sound pretty Let's educated see. to I me. Have, you know, I have a. I would never guess that you were <laughs> homeschooled. Like, you know, what you're saying, you sound like, you know. I was homeschooled. Well, not homeschooled, but I was the education. Without any, without any home. Right. No home in a car. Right. I was in a car. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, um, do you have anything else you'd like to promote? You don't have any Instagram or anything else Not you want really. to tell people, a website or nothing? I, the only thing I have, I don't have Instagram. I don't have Twitter. I don't know how to use any of those things. I, I, I'm very illiterate when it comes to social media. Um, I use my Facebook and that's about it. But it's rare that I use Facebook. Um, I mean, uh I do have Facebook Messenger on my phone, so if you like actually message me, I'll probably answer you uh, pretty quickly. All right, Joy. Well, thank you so much for being my guest. I really appreciate you, and I wish you the best. 
Oh, thank you so much. It's been an honor to talk to you, really. Oh, well, well it's been, you know, without... Yeah, I'm just, without, I'm so glad I was able to... I was going to say, um, it's an honor for me to have you as a guest because without <laughs> the guests like you, there would be no podcast. So oh, I appreciate you. you very much. Thank you. All right. right. Well, you have a blessed evening and go enjoy your family and go love people. And remember, always, always love no matter what. Right. Love and forgive no matter what. I like that. So, and um, and I wish yeah. you the same. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support. Always be you.